Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today we'll be looking back at Saturday's 2-2 draw against Arsenal at the Emirates. What a difference seven days makes. Remember how you were feeling this time last week? It was all so bleak. It was so dreary. The future looked uncertain for Fulham. And whilst not everything is resolved by a point away in North London, it certainly makes us feel a lot better. In this episode, we'll be looking back at the match and looking ahead to Tuesday night's Carabao Cup game against Spurs at the Cottage. I'm joined by Elizabeth Barnard. How are you doing, Liz? Doing good. How are you? Yeah, fine. Thank you. You look as giddy as the day that pink shirt was announced. Uh, Jack Stroudley's <laughs> here. Hello. Hi, mate. You are. Yeah, good. Thank you. And Dom Betts, it's great to have you back, sir. Yeah, it's great to be talking about us getting a point instead of having to be the on the debrief of, of, of a 300 feet last week. But yeah, watching that, I'm not being able to go to the game. We've to watch the game with Arsenal colleagues and also Spurs fans being in the office celebrating our goal as well was absolutely wonderful. Oh, I can imagine just the... Because uh, uh, there was a moment in yesterday's game it thought, we thought it was all over. And look, sometimes we can bemoan our luck being Fulham fans, but never doubt the ability of this team to surprise you the most when you expect the least. And that was definitely how we felt after yesterday's game. Dom, what were the best three-word reviews that came in? I imagine there was lots. Yeah, there was quite a lot. I've, I've chose four really good ones. I had Fulham Mike with Taker Zhao. Uh, Mark told me with Polina's fried rice. I kept I kept going on about this how Polina is better than any of those Arsenal <laughs> Arsenal midfielders. Uh, Sam Arthur was splash and grab. Just did a wonderful weather in London yesterday. And Paul Bud with Zhao's sucker punch. Very oh, some excellent ones there, Dom. Yes, uh, I saw some I saw some uh, some brilliant ones. Yeah, Fulham came through despite the storm uh, that reigned over North London. Uh, Fulham managed to come away from the Emirates with the point. It could have been three. We will uh, discuss that later. Um, but Elizabeth, I think just, I want to kind of do a, a top line assessment of, of yesterday. There were so many negative voices around Fulham, both from within the club and also outside. I think everyone was expecting a drubbing yesterday and it just felt like, well, literally from minute one, that wasn't going to be the case. Yeah, I thought we were incredible yesterday and I was absolutely delighted. I always think when we get a result like this, how will the other fans be feeling? Like how will Arsenal fans be feeling? And they will be absolutely gutted to have drawn to us at home. Just one of those that... uh... It came out of the blue. Zhao's late equaliser. We'll start with the uh, the first minute, Jack, and Andreas Pereira's weird goal. Like, in the ground, I was just confused as to how has that ended in the net. I thought it was the side netting. So many people hadn't even entered the ground by that point because it was timed at 57 seconds. Um, I hadn't realised what a brilliant assist it was from Bakayo Saka. Got to give him some credit. That is, uh, he's, he sets it up on a plate for Andreas. Yeah, fair play to him. Unfortunately, it doesn't count towards any fantasy football points, which was a little bit gutting for me. But no, Andreas, he took the finish really, really well. And it came as a surprise. Commentators, I was, I was watching it and the commentators, you know, said, you know, they actually were kind of criticising Andreas. And I don't think it was a particularly good finish. He got a little bit lucky. I, I completely disagree with that. Yeah. I thought it was a fantastic finish. You know, that's, it's his first touch he manages to 
maneuver his body in such a way and he, he curls it into that near post and you know most people would have tried to probably go far post uh, to try and get round Ramsdale and it's such a clever finish and you know it's a start that I don't think any Fulham fan would have expected do you think he meant it yeah I think so well, where to go near post as he did because well he moved I, he, he moved he moved his body you wait if uh, I watched it back earlier and he kind of moved his body in such a way and he kind of like let it round so I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt I just think also like that is the simpler finish to go for the lob at the far post from there is going to take something that's you know very very low percentage the the closest kind of angle to goal the shortest distance is to that near post I think actually what I would have thought most people would have done in that situation was not take the risk and found Raul who with a relatively simple through ball would have been in. So I think that's actually maybe where Ramsdale's expecting it to go because Raul is through if you find him. So yeah, I, it was, it was weird how watching the commentary there, some people were like, Oh, I don't think he meant it. So I'm pretty sure he, pretty sure he did. It was, it was an exceptional finish. And then Dom, I mean, it's just such a weird position to be in a one minute gone at the Emirates and then you one nil up. And then I remember um, Zach, who I was with next to me said, is it a bit early to have scored? I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, has a long time to go. The first half dragged on. Yeah, it reminded me a lot. I think it was, we, we played them early in the season again. I think it was 07, 08 when David Healy scored. Yeah, that was and a I was like, yeah, I was like, this has got this written all over. This is awesome. going to get another la- uh, last minute winner. But yeah, it, what, a, what a start. And I think if you predicted anything to happen in the game, I don't think an Andreas getting it in the near post from that far out would have been on anyone's list. But I mean, it was what a great start to the game. But I said I, I'm always, especially with a when you go away to a, a top six side or top four side, whenever you score that early, it's sort of it's it's obviously a great start. But it also it means you know you're now watching your team defend the lead for the next two hours of your life. Yeah, yeah, there was that just kind of thinking like really happy we scored, but also like, <laughs> this is going to be a lot. But actually, Elizabeth. It was not necessarily Fulham doing all the defending. I mean, we were obviously under the cosh, but I'd say Raul made the other, the best chance of the uh, of the first half. If that had gone in, wow! At the, at the time in the ground, it felt a bit like oh, that's gone miles wide. And it was only on the seeing the replay at half time, like oh my word, that's inches away from an unreal goal. Yeah, how good it would it have been if that had gone in? I really enjoyed the way that the game was structured and set up though, like the way that Arsenal were really throwing themselves forward and that meant that we had loads of space on the counter. It was a really entertaining first half, I thought, Um, and we did make some really good chances and it was just for a lack of sort of like clinical cutting edge at the top end and we would have been maybe two, even three goals up at the break. Yeah, I, I, I think if you went to that game as a neutral yesterday, you just thought, oh, I'm, in, I'm in London on a bank holiday weekend and you went and saw that, you would have thought, wow, what value for money? Obviously, you've come to see Arsenal, who are brilliant um, and tactically superior, but also you've seen this really plucky team just also make a, make a real um, match of it. I mean, Jack, there were moments in that first half which would proper hold your breath 
I mean, a couple of the chances, like Saka, that header at the far post, where he must have been a yard out. Um, Odegaard did find the back of the net, it was rightly ruled offside. Not that Arsenal fans seem to know for a, a ridiculously about long amount of time. It was miles offside. Um, it, it was just one of those first halves where he was just so relieved for half time. I just could I was, I was begging for that half time whistle, let alone the full time whistle. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing when you go to these big grounds, you just. You're not going to keep the big six teams to not having any chances. So you've kind of got to ride your luck in a way. You know, you've got to have a keeper who's on top form and Bert Leno seems to be like every week he had a fantastic game. And, you know, you've got to then, you know, have a bit of luck with it. And, you know, he said Saka missed quite a big chance. Havertz missed a big chance in the first half as well. And the longer it went on, that's that first half particularly, you just think you just get into half time, just get into half time, and then we can, we can go from there. And, I think at large and whole, I think Fulham were really good value for throughout the game, you know, for the point. Um, as you said, you know, Raheem has had that chance in the first half, which would have been absolutely ludicrous. But I think, yeah, Fulham definitely deserved to be going into the break with the league because I think they defended really, really well. Yeah, Dom, some of the defending yesterday was, was sensational. So we come on to Kenny Tete and the penalty, but he stopped Martinelli every single time on the right. Robinson, by and large, kept Saka quiet. There was a couple of moments. And, you know, Bassi and Diop did everything they needed to do. They got in the way of so many crosses. Um, obviously, having Polina back helps that defence massively. And a match of the day rightly gave so much credit to him yesterday and the kind of just almost like fifth defender that Polina, um becomes. But actually... That whole back line and Burnt Leno just deserves so much credit for the way that whilst Arsenal did have chances, we just kind of got in the way and we made it really difficult for them. Yeah, it, they they weren't they didn't have pl- like plenty of clear cut opportunities or anything. I think that especially the performance the defense put in last week compared to, compared to this week. It, I, I think it, I think a lot of people were talking about in the three road reviews about Diot's redemption arc from a uh, giving Brentford that goal just for half time last week to the performance he put in yesterday. But I think it was yeah it was w- what what a way to sort of bounce back from last week's performance as well, especially especially for that back line. I know you know Jab Pelini coming back is as you mentioned massive. But I just think everyone, I know we'll get on to Tate's, what he, what he gave away for that penalty. But apart from, apart from that, I don't think really the defence really step, stepped out of line, really. I think they, were, they, were, they, put in, they put in the perfect performance. Yes, we managed to get that, that, that equaliser. But it's just the, 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 the tactics, not necessarily from us, but just they, we, we weren't giving them stupid opportunities that we sometimes maybe we saw last week that we, we were giving Brentford silly opportunities especially went down to 10 men we went down down to, down to 10 men this time Arsenal still weren't getting that that many opportunities they only got their goal because Calvin Bassey's lying on the floor keeping all their players on side mm. um, so yeah I think tactically we were just so much better with 10 men this week than we were last week yeah, I mean, it, it really was um, well done. Let's come on to that penalty now, Liz. I mean, in the ground, I was like, <clears throat> that looks so stonewall, it can't be. There must be something I've missed. Um, yeah, I've, I've ne- I'm not sure I've seen many more clear-cut penalties in my life. I've never seen an opposition team argue less. Obviously there was a moment in the ground where, where there was a VAR check and everyone got a little bit excited that we might be in for a redemption here, but yeah, quite unlike Kenny Tete, but he is front foot. 
he will always put a challenge in and I guess sometimes he will get caught out, but he's not even close. Yeah, it wasn't his finest moment. Um, I guess we can probably forgive him, you know, sliding on the floor in front of, was it Vieira? Um, Mm. Not his proudest moment. And then obviously Saka tucked it away. Jack, let's come on to the second one. That's where the controversy um, came in. And again, in the ground, really hard to know. I hadn't even noticed Bassi was on the floor because it's just, it's completely the other end in the other corner. So it just hadn't crossed my mind. Plus maybe it was a little, you know, a bit like the Fulham team. I was just a bit annoyed about the first goal and it wasn't really concentrating. On the highlights, I think it's, I think it's bang out of order. The way that Saka grabs his arm there, you know, that's a kind of could break your arm kind of move from, from Saka. I don't know. It's not intentional or anything like that, but, and then for the referee not to stop it when something like that has happened, that dangered an opponent and he's lying on the goal line. Everyone's played on side. I realize that the rule now is that you're not in, um, obliged to kick it out when someone's injured. And yes, of course the Arsenal fans would have gone absolutely ballistic had they been made to at that moment. But yeah, Dan said it yesterday on the quick take. And at the time, I didn't know if I agreed with him. But actually, in hindsight, feel like some common sense is needed there. He's He was clearly injured. He wasn't doing that to kill the game or slow down the game or whatever. He was genuinely hurt in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think first and foremost, I think it is a foul on Bassey, the way he's brought down. Unfortunately, VAR was never going to be able to check it because I think it's classified as like a different phase of play when, um, when Nketiah scores. But yeah, it's more it's more just common courtesy. He's definitely down. He's definitely down injured. He's not faking it at all. And yeah, that's Dan sort of on the quick take where he sort of said, you know, if it was Saliba up the other end of the pitch, would they have stopped play? Probably. Um, and yeah, I was I was very frustrated with how how it happened. Um, I think it's one of those things that is just it's just part of football. And I think if it was the other end and Fulham had scored from it, we'd all kind of be going, oh god, we got a bit lucky there, didn't we? So I think. It's unfortunate, it's annoying, and I can understand why we're upset and why Marco Silva was upset. But it, it is also just kind of one of those things in, in football, annoyingly. Yeah, I, I think that actually is a moment where not just it's not big club pressure, it's home crowd pressure. And um, obviously there's only 3,000 of Fulham fans, but maybe if that had been in front of the Fulham fans, we'd have been going mad and stuff like that. And obviously had it been an Arsenal player, you'd have had 57,000 people going mad and maybe that would have played on the referee. But obviously, I, I mean, like, I literally hadn't seen it. It was that far away. I'm sure some people in the away end did. I, I hadn't seen it. And even if we did, we're not, we're not going to be making enough noise, 3,000 of us to kind of like attract a referee's attention to something. So I agree. It feels like one of those that I don't think would happen um the other way um but don we did lose our heads a little bit in that in that moment and you know obviously we wanted the win but a draw was still a good result as well and you know we've seen fulham concede quick fire goals a little bit last year I, i don't know i feel like maybe we just need to control our emotions a little bit more in those moments where we've conceded because it was just, it was, it was, it could have cost us yesterday that kind of quick fire um, way that we, we kind of were a bit all over the place. Bassy injured or not, it wasn't amazing defending. Yeah. I mean, you can put, you can, you can point to, but the thing is, Jack said, it's sort of just, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things in football that it's one of those, those, those weird parts of the game. And there's no sort of clear yes or no, should this, should this not happen? 
Um, and as we saw from my dean this week, I mean, referees just seem to do anything they want to do anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think once they scored the penalty, I was like, can we just reset, <laughs> calm down? But because I think you always, once they got that first goal, you always felt they were going to get another. Yeah, and I think I, I think that is just another thing with momentum and football. But I feel like we didn't quite compose ourselves or be as composed as we could have in, in those sort of situations, as you said. So. Yeah, it was, and to be fair, once they got in the lead, the last thing I was actually expecting was, as we'll get onto our equaliser. But yeah, I think we could have been more composed in in a situation like that. But I think with the with the with the Bassi being down on the floor, I think it, it probably doesn't even come into the defenders' minds that oh he, he he's on the floor, he's playing everyone's onside. They're probably just naturally thinking oh, and catch is probably you know a yard offside here. Mm. But yeah, I think we 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 could have been more composed in these moments, but. It's a bit like when people were talking about, obviously, the Mike Dean, Cucurella, Romero situation last year. I was like, well, you, you still got to defend the corner, mate. <laughs> like, it does, although it should be a red card, not, not in this situation, but in that situation, you still got to defend the resulting phase of play. And I think that's where you you can argue that, oh, yeah, maybe Bassi may, wouldn't, again, it is offside if, if Bassi's playing them on, but we've still got to defend the cross and defend the phase of play a lot better. Yeah, that's my look. I think we could have been helped out in that situation, but yeah, ultimately, football is being played, and I can see why Marco Silva is going apoplectic. Um, this is another kind of curious stat that I'm interested to know if uh, it's the first time. So, Silva's got, I, I believe that Silva now misses the City game, or he's got a touchline ban. He, he misses Tottenham in midweek because it's domestic. Oh, well, what I was going to say is if he misses City, then. Pep is obviously missing the City game. He, would that be the first? Would that be the first time in history where both teams don't have their manager on the uh, on the touchline? Can't happen very often. I can't have imagined. So, um, oh, I'm a bit I'm, I'm a bit disappointed now. He's back for City. I mean, uh, just 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 for the sake of a stat. But obviously, yeah, it's probably one game. I'd, I'd rather him miss a Carabao Cup game at home. Um, Liz, um, Calvin Bassey, um, and this was something else that incensed Marcus Silva. Look, the second yellow card isn't up for debate at all. Whether Bassi needed to do it, probably not. Diop was covering, but, you know, it was a moment, a split-second decision. I think he thought he was the last man, and I think he just reacted in the moment like, crap, Ninketia's got the ball, ball past me. I don't think there's too much point debating that. It's the first yellow card, though. 46th minute, and we all noted it at the time when it happened, like, that's a stupid yellow. But also, if you're clamping down on that kind of yellow wow we were going we're going to be dishing out five yellow cards a game like it was it wasn't like he'd been warned or anything like that i mean it was simply a case where leno and bassi decided to switch who takes the goal kick which we are within our rights to do he was a bit slow i must admit at the time i was like oh you are taking the you are taking a liberty a bit here calvin but yeah i can see why marco's incensed that that's a yellow yeah, not to roll out an old cliche, but I just feel like all I want is consistency. And I'm probably um, controversially happy for time-wasting yellows to be higher and for time-wasting to be more clamped down upon, as long as that's applied across the board. And like, it was just not applied across the board yesterday, was it? Like when Arsenal were time-wasting at the latter half of the game, I don't think they got, you know, yellows for that. So... That's that's just the issue. If the rules are going to happen, they need to be applied to everyone. I'm also a bit like Jack. Like, 
Well, we are camping down on time wasting because we're now having about 12 minutes added time per half. So do we need this flurry of stu- of yellows as well? Like, I get that, of course, repeat offenders need to be, there needs to be a way of, of punishing them. And it is still probably effective to time waste, even if it's going to be added on at the end. But I mean, that's the biggest incentive now is like, if we time waste too much, we're going to be end, we're going to end up with 10 minutes added time and that's going to be a nightmare. So I feel like that's a bigger disincentive for people to just like get a bit of a move on. Yeah, I think the um, the ruling now, I'm not really too sure, but I think it's based on like how long you, as a collective, you clue into the your time waste because you saw it with Arsenal, um, ironically, against Crystal Palace where Tommy Asu, one of his yellow cards was for, you know, time waste on the throw-in. But it wasn't actually him who time wasted. There was a player before who was taking too long and then a bit like the situation with Batty, they switched who was going to take the throw-in and then Tommy Asu consequently got booked for it. Um, but yeah, I agree with what I said. It's about consistency. You know, if it's going to happen to one team, it should happen to the other. And unfortunately, we didn't see that yesterday. And, you know, Marco was seething in his post-match press conference, you know, basically saying he was protecting the big six teams and this, that and the other. Um, and rightly so. I think that, you know, yesterday, I don't really want to talk about Seals bias, but like, you know, there was certainly one thing that was happening for one team that wasn't happening for the other. Yeah. Um, can anyone shed a light into how Marek Rodak got a yellow card? Does anyone actually know why Marek Rodak a got a 77th minute yellow card? Dom, have you got any inside sources from TalkSport? No, but I rate it highly. Let me have a look. I'll come back to you. Thank you. I mean, I'm going to guess it's for something he said. I mean, it's not because he like, I don't know, slide tackled the fourth official or something, is it? <laughs> Just like, what? That probably would have been I more mean, than um, yellow. I mean, um, Adam Fakwas and uh, Fulhamish regular um, did a brilliant tweet, basically how uh, Marek Rodak inspired uh, Fulham's comeback with a 77th minute yellow card. And he's right. Everything kind of fell into Fulham's place after that. And and Dom, it was weird how Arsenal went 2-1 up, a man up, and then like sat back, invited pressure. Um, Adama Traore made such a difference. He's the one that wins the corner that leads to the goal. And I mean, what a weapon that is uh, coming off the bench. And I mean that in the positive way of saying a weapon, not a bad way of saying a weapon. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we all knew this is what our Darwin Schroer's role realistically is going to be in this team, is using it as the second, a second half substitution to completely stretch defences. And that's what he did. Obviously, he had a chance even to score himself. And yeah, I think... We all know that the end product's not nece- not necessarily there, but if he's but to create these chances, and we know we're dangerous from corners, especially with the height we have in our team, the likes of Fipolino scored, Diop, now Bassi, you know, Raul Jimenez. If he can create opportunities that are going to give us situations like this, whether it's a free kick or a corner, then it's absolutely absolutely great because yeah. You know, we 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 know how deadly we can be from set pieces, and I think it's something that Marcus Silva clearly, clearly works on, and, and his team works on in training. So, yeah, I think for for me, it was strange situation from Arsenal because I, I feel like once they go two one up, and if the teams are man down, if that was us against, let's say, I don't know, Sheffield United, Luton, Burnley, whoever at home, you'd want us to go on and push more mm. and try and make sure you secure the three points because. You know, when it was as long as it's two one, as as we've seen, all the other team needs is a 
set piece and they can go and get an equaliser. So I did find it odd. And I said, I was watching with Arsenal fans um, at work and it was just like, they were like, why are we not, <laughs> why are we not going for the kill here? Why are we not trying to get a third goal? And yeah, it, it completely backfired against them. And that's why we ended up getting a point away from the Emirates yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Jack Stroudley, the lesser spotted Harrison Reed on corners um, doing, doing the business. Um, I mean, it's poor defending, really, isn't it? Especially a man up. How just Xiao Polini is able to swan in, but a lovely finish. It's like a striker's finish from Xiao from Xiao Polina. And the I guess, you know, away goals are always the best. Away goals at your end are always the best. And we just all had the perfect angle for the way that, that ball just nestled in the net past Ramsdale. Amazing. One of one of the all-time greats. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird goal, to be perfect with you. I didn't think it was a particularly great delivery from Harrison Reed. And how Jao Polina finds himself in that much space, I don't know. And it's, you know, kind of a, a first time half volley into the bottom corner. And as you say, as he usually does when he scores, just goes absolutely ballistic, running, you know, patting the badge, you know, doing whatever. After the game, he had an interview and he said he wanted to jump in the away end, but he got he didn't want the yellow card and he didn't yeah. realise when he'd done it at Forest last year that you get booked for it. Which smart. See our Zhao our Zhao our Zhao is growing up. <laughs> <laughs> I personally I mean I get why he's not done it, but I would have loved it if he'd have just just completely just dived in and just completely oh. lost his head. It would have been it would have been class. But yeah no it's a really it's a really well taken goal. And I think it's a bit of a testament to to the game Jacqueline had yesterday. You know, if you were you know if you didn't know anything about football and you said there was a hundred million signing in midfield for one of the teams for this 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 window you know you probably wouldn't have said it was Declan Rice you would have said it was Jao because he was absolutely fantastic yesterday in everything that he done it's a bit weird Liz on match of the day why they always seem to need to you know they they were kind of praising Jao Polini's performance and then like had to at the end kind of like end it on oh, seven days of the window there could be a good player out there for somebody it's like shut up Gary like, what are you doing? Trying to sell our players for us? Like, and also, yeah. I think like it's not a mystery. I think the other Premier League clubs know about Jao Polinho. It's not like it's not it's not some eighteen year old kid that's come out from the academy. Like he's one of the high, most highly rated midfielders in the league. Like you don't need to you don't need to sell him. Yeah, I was a bit there, a bit like you know, save that segment for like a fortnight's time, um, kind of vibe because I don't know. It would. I don't even want to think about it or jinx anything. I found out why Rodak got a yellow card, by the way. Oh, um, yeah. Dissent um, appealing to the fourth official about Nketiah's goal. Legend. So he was mouthing off, basically. Yeah, what a guy. Marek Rodak, massive. Goalkeeper's Big. union, doesn't... Oh, number two doesn't care, loves the club, loves the badge. It's just getting incensed. You might as well just join us in the away end and just get rowdy with the rest of us. Go on, Marek. <laughs> um, Jack, I will always have flashbacks to Adama Traore being put through. There's an amazing tweet where someone said, this guy's actually a cheat code. And it was just the world's simplest ball from Robinson. It was a bit of a weird one. Like Robinson won a free kick that I actually genuinely thought was going to go the other way. And... Robinson just saw Adama and was like, go on then, mate. <laughs> See what you can do. I remember thinking getting the halfway line, he's not actually going to outpace Saliba. Oh, he is. Oh, he's not going to score that. Oh, he might. <laughs> if that had gone in, I mean, look, delighted the point. Don't get me wrong. It was an amazing away day anyway. It didn't, it didn't break the day, but just the what if, if that had gone in, 
Good lord, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think we, I don't think me, I don't think any of us in that way would be here to tell the tale the day after because it just would have exploded. Yeah, I think I think Dom touched on it earlier and talking about Adama, he's he's exactly what you need in that second half. He's a very direct option, you know, when a team are trying to push forward and you know score goals, you've he's such a option to have as a counter attack and you know the fact yeah I was I was with you I was watching it I, I couldn't believe how much he was just absolutely burning Saliba for pace while controlling the ball and you know it, it was very typical Adama Traore you know he, he managed to absolutely just legs his opponent got through but then it got to the final chance and he's a little bit unlucky and he mm. you know on another day maybe he scores but I was very pleased with him coming on in the second half could it be the penalty Liz yeah, I thought it was, um, but didn't go to ground. It's fine. It would have been a fun opportunity to find out who our penalty taker is this season. Obviously, Andreas well, wasn't but, on the pitch, but yeah. I imagine it'd be Raul. Raul but Yeah, me, that, me and Dan Cooks talked about this actually on the way back to Finsbury Park yesterday, who would have taken it. And we concluded Raul, but we weren't 100% sure because obviously Bobby had gone off the pitch by that point mm. as well, who's a pretty proficient penalty taker or at least in the past he's never taken one for Fulham um but yeah I mean to do that with 10 men and win at the Emirates before when you were losing with five minutes to go would have just been ridiculous um maybe it was just too ridiculous but yeah welcome to Fulham Adama Traore we're very very excited to have you all right we're going to take a break there afterwards we're getting some of your questions Hello, it's Sammy here, and this episode of Fulhamish is supported by NordVPN. Now, NordVPN is a way of watching sporting events, TV shows, and films which aren't available where you are by switching your virtual location of your phone, tablet, or laptop to a country which is particularly perfect for those 3pm kickoffs which aren't televised in the UK. And right now, you can get an exclusive discount by going to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Not only will you benefit from their already huge discount, but you'll also get an extra four months for free. You can use one account on up to six devices. Also, it's completely no risk thanks to Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So to get that special rate plus four free months, go to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish or hit the link in the description of this podcast. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy here with Dom Betts, Elizabeth Barnard and Jack Stroudley. Thank you to everyone who continues to support Fulhamish in the Fulhamish community, funding all the work we do, funding our pods, funding our articles, funding our videos. If you want to join the Fulhamish community and support us, there is a link in the description of this podcast, or you can find all the details on the Fulhamish website. And when you join the community, you get the chance to uh, join our exclusive Telegram groups, which um, I, I couldn't check them during the game yesterday because because uh, there was no signal inside the Emirates. I went back and checked my phone. There was 500 messages in the FFC chat, um, that which which actually might be a disincentive for people to, to, to join in. But, you know, you don't have to read all 500 of them. All I'm trying to say, it's good fun in there and everyone has a bit of a laugh. Um, just before we get into some of your questions, I just think we need to talk about Jay Stansfield. He's gone on loan to Birmingham City. He signed a new contract for Fulham. And then, Dom, on his debut, what a goal in the 95th minute and against Plymouth of all teams, Exeter's great rivals. Wow. I mean, I think there was a moment with Jay Stansford last year where, like, obviously we saw glimpses of what he could do, but also he didn't score that many goals in a League One team and maybe there was a few doubts. He's now performing at a good championship team 
And I think it's just hugely exciting. Yeah, I think I think it's a big low move for him. Just because, because obviously he, he did well at Exeter last season. As you say, the numbers for, for him playing in League One, you're like, has has he got it? Has he not? But I, I say he's. He, I think he's clearly our best sort of under twenty three player that we've got at the club. I had quite a few mates who support Championship teams sort of asking me about Stanford because obviously he was linked with Sunderland. He was and before he obviously eventually went to Birmingham City. But Birmingham City this season look a completely different animal to what they were in previous seasons with the sort of new ownership they've got there. So, yeah, I mean, what, what, I mean, what a finish, but also what a touch to get, to get around the defender. Um, unbelievable from Jay Santos. And hopefully he has a great spell at Birmingham this season. And hopefully next season he's, he's in our team and hopefully scoring those type of goals for us. Oh, bliss. Little did we know the striker that we were waiting for is right under our noses. Um, I'm just so happy for him, Liz, as well. I, I do feel like everyone needs to stop like mentioning his dad every time he does something good. Like we we can also just praise Jay Stansfield without needing to kind of bring up his obviously amazing story that we all know. Um, but yeah, he'd have loved that. And also, I think what's great now is like I think sometimes for for lone players, you need to endear yourselves to the locals and. And you need to get in and stay in the team. There's no incentive for the parent club to keep you in the team if you're not performing. But a 95th minute winner on your debut at home is uh, is one of those ways to to incentivize your new team to to maybe maybe let's let's make sure we start Jay every game. Yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing for him. Um, I'm so excited for what he's going to bring when he comes back to Fulham next year. Um, sky's the limit, I think, really. Well done, Jay Stansfield. Delighted for you. Let's get into some questions. Uh, today we took questions from uh, Instagram rather than Twitter, just to uh, just to change things up, really, because uh, we like to make sure that everyone on every platform can uh, can uh, can ask us questions. Uh, first one here from Harry Gilbert, who says, "Concerned about disciplinary issues in the dressing room with Marco setting the tone." Um, Liz, it is one of those that. Like love to see it, but also three yellow cards in three games for Marco. We obviously know how Fulham lost their heads last year and it all came to a big old boiling point. Um, it is something that we just need to, to watch. I do love the passion and I do think it's passion and grit and determination that gets us a point at the Emirates yesterday. I guess we just got to find ways to channel it and not let it boil over. Yeah, I mean, I still love to see it, though, having said that. Yeah. Um, and I do I do get the point about Marco setting a tone for the team. And obviously, like, if he receives a touchline ban, it's probably not the end of the world. But if our players are getting banned, then that becomes a lot more serious. Um, so, yeah, hopefully he does set a little bit of a better example going forward. But I love it. I can't pretend I don't. You just love anyone that obviously loves everything as much as we do. You know, I love Marek Rodak getting a yellow card for dissent. It's just one of those things because it's what I would be doing if I was on the bench. I'd be shouting at the fourth official and um, getting a yellow card myself. And so it is nice when the people, yeah, it's it's tough to impose, I guess, like some authority when when your gaffer is, uh, is, is doing the same. Uh, Thomas Holmes, I come to you on this one, Jack, just says... Reed or Lukic? Simple question. Not one that's the easiest to answer, though. No, I think that, to be honest with you, I think they are probably slightly different players. I think that Lukic um, on the ball is probably slightly better. That's nothing against Harrison Reed, but I think Harrison Reed 
you know, when pressing and, and whatnot, I think is is a, is a is a better player in that sense. Um, so I think it's kind of just dependent upon who 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 we're playing. To be perfectly honest with you, and I think obviously Lukic has been really good so far um, this season. It's good against Everton. Was good against Brentford, even if we lost, and, and played played all right yesterday as well. So he's he's definitely a Marcus is type of man where if you play well, you'll you'll keep keep your place. Um, so I think that we'll see Lukic kind of for the foreseeable until. You know, either he makes a mistake or Reed proves himself. Um, maybe that'll be on Tuesday night. But yeah, um, I think they're very different players. I think it's just dependent upon who you're playing as to which one will, you know, be next to Polinia. Yeah, I think that as well. I think there'll be games where tactically Marco sees something where Harrison can have a bit of joy, but also there'll be games. I think against teams we're not expected to have lots of the ball I think Lukic might be who he uses because he's just very tidy with it and doesn't misplace too many passes whereas I think Harrison Reed against the team teams where maybe we expect to have more of the ball you might expect Harrison Reed to be to be in there as a general rule of thumb um Dom uh, JRaz07 says thoughts on the Bassi red card. We've kind of done that, but he said, how do you rate his performance? Obviously you've seen a lot of Bassi over the years. Uh, you've followed him all over the country as the song goes um, with, with Rangers. So uh, yeah. What did you make of, uh, of Bassi's first performance? Yeah, I was, I, it was, I know it was due to Tim Reed's red card, but it was great to see him in. I think, you know, I was at that Hoffenheim friendly and he was, Clearly, Fulham's best best player in that game, and it, I'm quite surprised to sort of see where he's fit into this team because I've never seen him as a left centre back in a four. Like that's just not that's not a position he played at Rangers, and it's it's not one I was expecting him to come into. I was expecting him to maybe be cover for Robinson at left back, or if we were going to trial in some stages of back three, he'd be on the left of the three centre backs. But he's 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 fitted in. Yes, he got that red card yesterday, but. I think his physicality is something we don't necessarily get with Tim Riemann. I've, I, love, I love Tim Riemann. He's, like his performances last season, well, last two seasons really show that. But he just offers something a bit different, uh, a more mobile, uh, a more physical defender at the back, especially with him and Diop. You know, you've got two absolute units, basically, <laughs> playing centre-back. But yeah, I thought I thought he was great yesterday um, until his red card. But I think, I, say, I think his first yellow is just... His first yellow as Elizabeth said, is a yellow if you're booking everyone for time wasting. <laughs> I think that's what Marco Silva sort of alluded to in his in his post-match praying conference with Sky Sports. That it was like or his, his tunnel interview with Sky Sports. It was like he was like, can we just have some consistency, please? Can we, you know, he, he was saying about how all oh, the top six or the big sides always always get these decisions. So yeah, I thought we played really well yesterday, Calvin Bassey, and I think it's sort of the start of things to come. It didn't necessarily work completely well for him at Ajax, but I think this move is sort of not reinvigorated his career as such, but, you know, we're really sure. I think, and I think the football, the Premier League football suits him a lot more than maybe it does in the Eredivisie, but yeah, what a, what, what, what great performance, you know, he, he seamlessly sort of just fitted into the back line, uh, adding some much needed physicality. And yeah, I think, Yes, he he's going to be out of the Spurs game, which and, and that probably wouldn't be a game we have Fulham fans would have seen him most, obviously being a home game. But yeah, I think you know I think it's going to start things to come for Kelvin. Uh, this one from Jason Lipscomb. He says Marco wants another five signings before the transfer deadline. Do you think it's possible, uh, Liz? Um, if anyone can do a flurry of signings on deadline day, it's us. But I still don't think maybe we'll get to five. Another couple would be nice. 
I think it's going to be a proper um, supermarket sweep where Tony Khan's just going to just go down the aisles and just kind of grab his arm and just kind of scoop <laughs> everyone up that he, he possibly can. Um, I think we're in for a very exciting, if not at least interesting, few days where you know that will be linked to play the players that you know haven't popped up until the very last minute. We always seem to do that. There's always a deadline day signing that isn't really a rumor until the final day. Um, we had it with Kazawa last season we've done it with Bobby Reed in the past and Guisa you know so I think yeah we're in for a, a definitely an interesting few days yeah I mean I feel like um Adam Fakwasen if you're listening Fulham issues uh Photoshop extraordinaire if you could uh Photoshop the supermarket sweep get Dale Winton and then maybe just Photoshop one of the contestants face for Tony Khan with his trolley ready, uh, just for, for deadline day. I feel like, uh, that that's, that's the perfect analogy. I love the supermarket sweep, but someone needs to bring that back. I'm sure they probably have somewhere and I didn't watch it cause it was buried on ITV four. Uh, this one from, um, 46 TJ, um, Jack, he says, are we okay with four points from our first four fixtures, assuming we get zero points against City? Uh, I don't know why you'd assume that's 46 TJ. Uh, I don't know if you saw yesterday. But anyway, if it is four points from four games, Jack, I'd say, if I had to give that a a grade, I'd maybe say like a B, like solid, you know, I don't think any first four fixtures where that includes a 3-0 defeat to your rivals can ever be given an A. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think four points is a decent decent turnaround. I think while you know the performance against Brentford is still probably going to be on people's minds, I think yesterday kind of helped prove that you know maybe it was a little bit of a blip, and that uh, you know this this squad is capable of doing fantastic things, even if it is a little bit on the thin side. Um, and I think that um, yeah, four four points is is a really decent return, especially when you play the teams who finished first and second in the league last last season. And that includes your, one of your closest rivals who actually are probably our bogey team. I, I was just going to say about the um, points tally from our first four games, what I was looking at realistically was only two points. Um, at the beginning of the season, I thought about like what we need to do to stay up. And you can lose half your games, draw a quarter and win a quarter. And Brentford at home is a draw game and Everton away is a draw game. And Arsenal City are definitely lost games. So we're two ahead of schedule already. So, yeah, maybe. To oh yes, off? you have. Um, I I've seen this. Um, you have like a is it like a a page in a notepad or something like that yeah. where you've kind of like charted out the games and then kind of got like a, a plus minus. Have I got that right? Yeah, that's right. It's next to me. Um, I'll show you. I haven't done all the games, but I've got like a list of. Um, there we go. A list of okay. um, all the games, and then I highlight them depending on whether we draw, win or lose them and that's the kind of level of being really cool that I like to apply to my family yeah yeah (laughs) that's impressive that's impressive um I mean can we can we predict the future so obviously we know City Uh, so we lose against City but what's the game after City Luton at home we have to win that so yeah three points from that I would have I, I could have guessed that one the one I can't guess Palace away um we can lose that one a lose really yeah you only have to draw against um, five teams away from home, and I don't think Palace are in the worst five teams in the league. Is there any wins away from home? Or no, we're no, just no. not winning. A- no, we don't, we don't win. win we don't win away from home. But we win quite. Must win quite a few home games. Yeah, you have to win half your home games against the bottom half teams, and then you have to draw the next sort of like the good teams. 
So we did have to draw Brentford. Obviously it didn't happen, but that's fine because we won against Everton. Okay. And then <laughs> this is amazing. And how many points does this get us to? Uh, this will get us to, I think it's 38. Oh, okay. So it's not like a stellar. So it's, it's, this is a proper finishing 17th job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To clarify. Okay. This isn't okay. for top half. This is just for to stay up. But okay. that's the goal, right. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimate, ultimately the goal, the minimum objective, definitely to uh, to to stay up. Okay, right. Um, Liz will come back to you throughout the season to find out uh, where where the chart is. Although I think, I think I've kind of got it. It's basically just win the easier home games, and then you're allowed to lose five home games. Is that right? Yeah, against top five. Uh, final question from Sam Clark. One says, "Do we need another right-sided centre back? I think Diop is too comfortable and needs competition." Now, I thought Diop was good yesterday, Dom. What was very interesting was Tossin coming on. And winning a couple of very big headers um, towards the end. Um, we know that Tossin's future is up in the air. I'd be surprised if he's at Fulham this time next week. So I, I think, yes, we do need another right-sided centre-back. If we're going to lose Tossin, um, then then I think it's a no-brainer. But I guess that's it's dependent on whether he stays or whether he goes. Yeah, I think I, I, I can't see where, well, where Tossin's here, especially the, how little he sort of he played in the pre-season preparations and the fact that yesterday was his first sort of minutes in a Fulham shirt since last season. So, yeah, I think a centre-back is someone that we, or definitely a position I think we will be looking at because, you know, at the moment, if you're getting rid of Tossin, you have three centre-back options and one was suspended this game and one suspended in the next game. So, it's not, it's not, it's not exactly a, a position we have a load of depth in. But I think, as Jack said, I think, people will be surprised at how much business we end up doing on deadline day. I feel like I'll be opening up my emails to another link from, from Fulham to an, another player we've not been linked to a window. But yeah. I think it's definitely a position that Marco's going to want us to improve in, especially as the the yellow cards and the new just the new yellow cards, I guess you can say, that for, for, for like things like time-wasting and things like that. So I think it's definitely the, the the I think the first three games are showing how many suspensions we could end up getting in our defensive line this season. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not one to encourage uh, betting, but I do know a few of the uh, Fulhamish chaps have made some good cash in the last couple of years by betting on Fulham to be the most busy side on uh, transfer deadline day, and often you can get all right odds on it. So uh, do with that information what you will. Uh, we're gonna take a break there. Afterwards, we'll look ahead to Spurs on Tuesday. Part three of the Fulhamish pod, Sammy with Dom, Liz and Jack. Let's quickly look ahead then to Spurs on Tuesday in the Carabao Cup second round. This hasn't been massively addressed how I went on the preseason predictions and my hot take was Fulham to reach the Carabao Cup final. Um, us drawing Spurs in the second round the day after wasn't ideal. Um, weird one, Liz, really, because I don't know, it feels it feels too early to be playing like quite a big Premier League side in the Carabao Cup. This is when I want to be playing Plymouth or Stevenage or Reading. Just like, oh, bloody hell. Okay, second round of the Carabao Cup and we've got to face Spurs. Like, I'm struggling to get myself up for it. Just It just feels like, if this was like fourth or fifth round, I'm like, yeah, cool, I'm up for it. Right, it's later stages of the Cup. We're going we're gonna to have to beat a big team here. But um, it's, it's still winnable at the same time, despite Spurs' good start. 
Yeah, I mean, we thought that about Crawley last year, um, didn't we? Um, (laughs) And we all know how that ended. Yeah, I'm I'm buzzing for this one. I think Spurs have been really fun to watch this season. I think they can definitely be got at. Um, I think you should have courage in your predictions. I don't think this is a gimme by any stretch for Spurs, although I would be a little bit surprised if we won. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited. It's my first time at the Cottage um, this season. So yeah, I really can't wait. Uh, Jack, who do we expect to see from a Fulham point of view play? Marker will almost certainly rotate, particularly after putting in such a shift um, yesterday, over 100 minutes. So line up for this one. I mean, we can work maybe work together a little bit because we're going to have to we have to knock our heads, really. I mean, we can probably guess Rodak in goal as, uh, as a starter. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, you say about rotation, I suppose, it, and it depends how much you want to go into that because as as you've kind of said, you know, the squad isn't exactly, you know, blessed with depth. So, you know, you might, you'll, I think you'll probably see Mbappé play um, on the right, um, mm. but then you'll probably see Robinson on the left. Um, and then, you know, Tosin's future is completely up in the air, but if he's still around, then maybe it'll be him alongside Ream yeah. as a back line. Um, and then, I mean, I'd like us to rest Polinia, but I don't know whether we necessarily will. Maybe we'll go Lukic, Reed, and Kearney. It's like a free. Yeah, that I think that I think we will rest Polinia for what it's worth. I feel like coming back from injury and stuff. Would we want to would we want to risk that for a Carabao Cup game? Yeah, and then I mean, going forward, I mean, Jimenez played well against Arsenal, albeit didn't score. So it's whether you want to have your as of right now, your main striker playing to try and, you know, score to get some confidence in him or whether you want to give Vinicius a go. Um, yeah. I think Adama will play. Definitely. Um, I think Adama will play. And then Bobby Reed, maybe? Yeah. It doesn't feel like um, Willian, if he, if he wasn't in the squad for Saturday, would we start him on Tuesday? I don't think so. Do you think, though, there might be space for a few of the youngsters, Luke Harris, Defugerol, maybe? I guess that's the annoyance of it being Spurs. If this was Crawley or something like that, I think we'd be seeing a lot more of those. You know, Marshall Goddard has been playing brilliantly for the under-21s. Do we expect to see any of those? Or do we think because it's Spurs that that we will see bigger names? I think so. I think... um... You know, the draw, as what seems to be every year, hasn't been particularly kind to us. Um, I was looking into it. I think five of the last six years, we've drawn at least one of the big six in either the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup. It's a pretty horrible stat. Um, And I think that, you know, Tottenham are still going to play a particularly strong side. And I think Ange Postacoglu is going to want to go for it, especially they're not in in Europe. So the Carabao Cup's a big opportunity for them to win a trophy. So I think that you'll see a few changes but I don't necessarily think you'll see any of the youth players starting there'll probably be a couple on the bench and if you know the game kind of goes away from us and we're kind of two three nil down maybe then he'll bring on the as you mentioned Harris, Defugio, Godo any of those kind of players. Mm. Uh, One player Dom that we probably I feel like we'll see play um, is uh, Mana Solomon. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a game that uh, he'd be starting in his his return to college. But I think a lot of people with the man of Solomon, I was I was I never thought we were going to sign him on a permanent deal anyway. 
I, I always felt, I always found that Silva maybe didn't fat. It just feel like he didn't fancy him. He was always coming up. He was always being used sort of an impact sub for us, but he's been, I don't know if he's necessarily going to want to prove a point because he's gone to a bigger club than Fulham. If you look, if you're looking at Spurs and Fulham here, but I think he's, he, he's going to want to perform so he can look like he's a starter in Ange Postacoglu's plans. And as Jack said, I think Postacoglu is going to want to take this seriously. He has obviously had a great record in the um, domestic cups at Celtic. So I think it's something he's going to put importance on, as as Jack said, because they're not in Europe, not in the Europa League or the Conference League or the Champions League. So I think it's, it's probably the last kind of fixture you wanted. But the only positive I can find about this fixture is it's nice to have a sort of, an, I, want, I don't want to say a no pressure game, because obviously pressure on every game, but it feels like, if we go out on Tuesday night, unless we unless we get absolutely battered, people aren't going to be having a complete meltdown like certain people were having after the Crawley game this time last year. I think I, I was do, having a meltdown after Crawley. <laughs> I'm already like annoyed about the fact that Rodak is going to start this. Like I already feel annoyed in my heart, and I know that we have to play our second choice keeper in cups to keep them happy. Um, but Leno is just so clearly a step above. And like, I know that I'm sure being goalkeeper is very physically tiring, but it's not the same as being an outfield player. Like Leno could definitely play it, but I just know Rodak is going to start. So that's Get fine. a second yellow card of the season. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Working his way towards a suspension if he's uh, if he's yeah. not careful. I'd love Marek Rodak to be the first player ever to pick up a Premier League uh yellow card suspension just by mouthing off fourth officials um just every game you might as well you might as well try Marek give yourself some fun out over the season like put a wager on it with the lads like uh, they'll give you 500 but they'll pay you fine or something like that if you're able to uh, achieve it uh, over the I probably shouldn't put ideas like this in people's minds um I mean also Jack from a from a Spurs perspective there's lots of players although I do think they'll play a strong side who are on the fringes of that team but are still very good players. Emerson Royale, Hoiberg, Perisic, Davidson Sanchez, Ben Davies, Lo Celso, Skip. So the second string Spurs side that I imagine all of those players will probably play, still good quality, but got flaws. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, it's, it's not ideal the fact that in the second round of the Carabao Cup, you're playing arguably probably the best team that are in the competition at this stage um, and yeah like you said it's, it's frustrating as you've obviously mentioned the, the depth that they've got is is fantastic um, but as you said it's definitely you know, it's definitely beatable we've, we've just picked up a point at Arsenal and you know who knows who knows yeah and I think what's even more frustrating is we're playing City on Saturday they haven't got a game in the week like, when does that happen where we have a game and Manchester City have a week off to uh, to recover, which is just, I guess, will also definitely be playing in Silver's mind of like, God, it's tough enough going to Manchester City, going to Manchester City with less rest than them um, is, is, is an even tougher prospect. So it wasn't the ideal draw by by any uh, shake of the imagination, but uh, we'll see what happens on uh, on on Tuesday. Well, well, let's do some predictions, Liz. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to go one, two, but I, what I will say is I would much rather that, um, we went for this than the city game, honestly. Like, I think we can still play super well at city and be beat quite comfortably. Mm. And I'd like, really like to progress in the clubs. Like I'm happy to take zero points from city. 
um, if it meant going through. Dom, well, as as if we, yeah, listen, I, I, I would, I would, I mean, just beating Spurs anyway is always good. But it, I mean, if we if we do get through this, and then if because if, if we're three 0 down to Man City at half time, it means I can get the last train back to London. So mm. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> yeah. there's always the positives. But no, I I think I want I'm going to say predictions for this game. I'm going to go with two two all, and we're going to win on pens. Jack. You've you've completely nicked my prediction there, Dom. I also think we're gonna we're gonna win on penalties. Yeah, I, I, I agree with kind of everything that's been said. I'd, I'd much rather us go for this than Man City. We drew City quite close in both fixtures last season, especially as we got that point uh, yesterday as well. It's yeah, sort of, exactly. I was exactly. expecting to go into national break on th- on three points. I won't lie. Yeah, and I think look, we. Uh... With the Carabao Cup, I think one thing that's, that is interesting is it's 90 minutes, then pens. There's no extra time. So that's quite a nice incentive. It's just like, look, let's draw it. And then it's a lottery. And if you lose on penalties, then you lose on penalties. Like it's one, it's one of those things. But I think if Fulham can, can get it through to uh, a draw after 90 minutes, then that's an, that's an ideal position to be in. Right. And let's, let's, let's see what happens. Uh, right. That'll do for today's pod. All we need to do before we go is uh, name it. Uh, Dominique, what we'd like to go with. So for today's podcast, I'm going to go, it didn't actually get as much love as I think I thought it should have done on Twitter yesterday, but I'm going to go with Paul Buzz, Jow's Saka punch. Nice. Nice. Fantastic. Uh, right. That'll do uh, for the pod today. Uh, I'll be back uh, on Thursday. Um, we'll be with Jack and a special guest, TBC. Um, looking back at the Spurs game, looking ahead to City. And of course, we'll be doing um, a bit of a state of the union ahead of the transfer deadline on Friday. If you want some transfer deadline content, it's not the world's best timing from a podcast perspective being on Friday night, the day before a game. Um, But Jack and Joe will be doing their deadline day live stream on YouTube. So subscribe to the Fulhamish YouTube, which is great anyway. There's loads more videos on the Fulhamish YouTube this year. It's well worth um, subscribing to. And yeah, on Friday night, they'll be doing a live stream, looking at all the deals as they come in, um, having a bit of fun. Lots of special guests uh, from uh, across Fulhamish uh, will be chipping in as well to, to give their perspective. So if you want some deadline day content, if you're there on Friday night watching the ticker on sky sports news and getting frustrated because they keep going to finch farm or something then get on to uh fulhamish's dead dying day stream where we'll just be focusing on all of the madness uh, in and around motsburg park uh, always one of the fun evenings of the year uh dom thanks for coming on no worries mate liz thank you thanks for having me and jack thank you cheers mate have a great start to your week enjoy bank holiday monday come on you whites. Right.